Welcome to episode 7 of season 2 of Matire Gemi, a bi-weekly podcast where we help you learn the Agekoyo culture, history and heritage in English and in a fun, light-hearted way. I'm your anchor, Jerry Wadiho, Mojiro Wabareyakehara, and as always, I'm joined by Wayaki and Kenoriwa Kanyi. Today's episode is all about you. It's the first of the listener's edition. And before we even continue, I want to say thank you to all of you that submitted questions. They were rich, they were diverse, and they were so much fun to respond to. I'd like to start by kind of highlighting some of the people that sent us numerous questions. You know, so hey there, Eric Mongai, thank you. Tasha, hello. Nyakaheti, hi. Gilbert Kemani, thank you. Angie Mokora, we appreciate you. Maggie Nyokavi, thank you. Apple Tamu, yes. A Nyams, Mommy Diary, yes, and one boy, thank you. Those are just some of the names of the people that continue to engage and ask questions and send their questions to social media. We are so grateful. We are also really grateful for the number of you that continue to highlight us on your pages, that continue to share us publicly or privately with your friends, and that continue to listen and engage with this podcast. We are who we are because of you. Today's episode is really delicious, and I really mean that. And the reason it's so delicious is because this past fast section allows us to answer 10 of the 23 questions that you submitted to us. So let me tell you the bucket in which these questions will fall. These questions will fall into two buckets, Odoni and Iruwa. And let me tell you the categories of these questions. Let me tell you guys, they're delicious. So listen all the way to the end. So we will be talking or answering questions verbatim, right, on ratio and single parenthood. How does single parenthood affect ratio? We also go in and we talk about widowhood, divorce, and separation, and how that actually affects a woman or a man who is entering into the process of matrimony. We also talk about uh, the question that has to do with intermarriage between Amogekoyo and another culture. Which culture prevails? What do you do? We then go ahead and also talk about child adoption. We had quite a few questions on this topic, and we go in deeper and talk about how the pre-colonial Mogekoyo thought of fatherhood and child adoption. And then the final category has to do with questions around be- belonging to a kiyama or jama. What does it take and how can you gain the knowledge that is uh, typically dispersed through a kiyama or jama? Ooh, let me tell you, in this episode, I was glued in to everything that Wayaki and Kingori shared with us. So lean back and enjoy the journey. All right, Wayaki and Kingori, I am so excited for us to jump into these delicious, intriguing, and powerful questions that our listeners have asked. But before we do that, let's do some introductions as always. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Wayaki, to introduce yourself. Uh, thanks, Njeri. And I definitely want to thank our audience for 
asking these wonderful questions, which we hope to tackle uh, in the best way. Jetago wa yakiwage shaga, demoshara wa barea muturi, hamari kamawada ni dewa mwagi, gashiarone maina, na omodanyan ejuga ganedayo. Wow, thank you so much, Wayaki, as always. The listeners really appreciate all the insight and the knowledge that we br- you bring. And now at this point, I'm going to distract King Ori from watching the rugby game, Kenya versus South Africa, <laughs> and ask him to introduce himself. <laughs> uh, thank you for the distraction, because we're actually being distracted. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> It's not going very well, but uh, hey, uh, once again, Oyone King Ori wa Kanyi. This is a wonderful episode. We're really looking forward to tackling the questions from the audience. Yes, thank you, King Ori. And you have been such a wonderful addition, you know, to the podcast. I think everybody enjoys your perspective. And uh, Wayaki you. and I really enjoy having you here with us. Thank so, you. Thank you very much. I think it's time for us to jump in. And, and so uh, to our listeners, I want to share with you what we've decided to do. So what we've done is that we have bunched all of your wonderful questions into segments and categories. Now, we're still going to read your questions as is, right? But what we've done is we're going to bunch them together just so we make sure that we are staying uh, thematically in a little bit of a logical uh, uh, way. So we're going to start off with the questions that were related to Odoni. But before I even jump in and ask the first question, I would like one of you two gentlemen to remind us, what is Odoni? I'll go, I'll, I'll give the simple or the short answer. So Odoni comes from the word Doni, which is, uh, you know, a shy, a shy respect. And so Odoni is a relationship between the father of the bride and the father of the groom. So their relationship is what we call Odoni. They're the ones who create that foundation for a couple to be successful in that union, which we call marriage. Okay, beautiful. All right. Thank you, Wayaki. So I'm going to jump into the first question. And I'm not going to pick who goes. You guys are just going to filter (laughs) and figure out who (laughs) loves, who wants to really answer the question. So we'll start with the first one. And this first question, guys, is what happened? This is the first question verbatim. What happened in a polygamous situation? Did a man have to complete Rorashio for one wife before marrying another? Yeah, I'll let Kingori go first uh, on this one. <laughs> okay. That's a good one. Uh, yeah, that's actually a really good question because um, we didn't get to talk about uh, the institution of marriage from a polygamous perspective during the episodes where we were, car- we were covering Rorashio and Odoni. So it off, I think it, it's a good one, very timely question. So, um, you know, in an environment where everything was going well, in a polygamous scenario, um, the Mogekoyo woman is the one who used to champion that the husband have a second, third, or fourth wife. Mm, why would you that do is, that? That, well, there, there are many advantages to that. Um, number one, these women understood that um, for there to be greater wealth, it also included more children and with that the ability to cover 
more land, more, more, you know, have more flock. Um, and that they, they understood that having a lot of children, a lot of homes was seen as a wealthy scenario. So as, a, as the first wife, you are very well positioned. Um, you are very well positioned if your husband also had multiple wives because it, it, it uplifted you in the society as the, as the chief wife of that, of that now very well-renowned and wealthy man. Um, and also, you, you, were, you were the second in command in that homestead. Um, in some sort. So you, there was a lot of authority and reverence that this chief wife carried when there were junior wives that uh, also took some kind of direction from her on other, on some issues. So, you know, a lot of the scenarios where a man had more than one wife, um, the chief wife was instrumental in making it happen. And so in order for a man to now dream of having another wife, usually it means that the first wife is very well taken care of, lacks nothing, and yes, they've already, they've they've rushed everything. Any there's nothing. Any woman Maliza, they you know they're in very good standing. Chances are she's feeling very well supported. Their their with her in-laws with her with with is is very well established. Um, and there's no sense of um, any fear or anything like that. That having a second wife coming in would would make anything less um, for her. You know, in fact, it would be an addition. She, that's how they used to see it. It's like Nekwara Miyamehaka. It's a big, it's expansion. So yes, the, okay. to answer this question very straightly, um, often, or, or it was expected that everything has been done for the first wife. She's in very good standing. The Mara Asheti, you know, they've already uh, done the Gurario, which is called Egakiade, and she's here to stay forever. So that now you can now think about a second or a third wife. The first wives have to be sorted out. Mm. And you know, if I was to transport myself, right, take myself off of what we call quote unquote the modern woman, and transport myself back then. If I, if somebody was approaching me to be a second wife, and we're putting mm-hmm. ourselves as a pre-colonial uh, ayekoyo, how would I think? I would be evaluating that man based on how well he took care of his first wife. So if he Absolutely. wasn't doing a good job, being a great father and husband, and uh, having the definition of wealth that the ayekoyo, how the moyekoyo defined wealth then at that point, I wouldn't be attracted to him as a, as a second wife. So it does make sense what you're saying, Kingori, which is the, the man had to really have taken good care of his first wife, even to be attractive, because all of this was voluntary, if we, if we remember based on the other sessions, even to be attractive to other women, right, in order, uh, who would want to step in as a second, third, fourth, fifth wife. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll I'll add something because Kingori has answered that question uh, very well, but I'll also uh, uh, go back in in our in our history and say that you know the women in uh, in our in our history in our culture are the ones that decided that this was the right thing to do. It's a common misconception that men are the ones who are lustful, greedy, they want as many women as possible. But uh, in the, you know, in 
episode uh, one of the origin story, we talked about the story of Wamoyo and the fact that she was never married. Uh, you know, that issue was discussed in... The women at the time are the ones who decided and they said, you know, any woman who is of age should not be um, single. Should, should remain... Should be, should be eligible to be married. And what that did for the society, it, w- it would create a society where it wasn't like infidelity or unrighteousness or, you know, lack of chastity and uprightness in families was reduced to a bare minimum. So from a historical perspective, uh, the, the, that Rika, which was called Rikaria Madhigirakeda, which was like the original, um, the Rika after Gekoyo, they decided that, okay, because of this situation with Wamoyo, who was unmarried, and what happened with that story, you know, any woman who is of age, should a, a man should be able to take up a second wife uh, if she's willing to be a second wife, if his first wife approves, if, her, if the first wife's father approves because the father, the father of the bride has to assess and see, okay, I've received my ratio, I have a good relationship with this man's father, my daughter is taken care of, uh, she's married to a righteous man, a good man, uh, they have children and they are growing their wealth and they need more help. You know, because back in the day, women had 10, 12, 13 children. You can imagine the household chores to take care of that uh, that family, that growing family, and even tilling the land. That's why King Ori said it was the first wife who would be like, hey, I need some help. I know this woman. She's single. She's good. Why don't you consider taking her up as a second wife? So really, I just want to cement the fact that there's a historical precedent why it was decided it was decided by the women that it was important for a, an orderly society to for that to happen and um, the fact that the proper processes and procedures were followed it wasn't just like come we stay yeah I just wanted you know, to add that on there I love what you've added and I'm just going to add one more thing then move on to the next question I love what you've added King Ori and uh, Waiyaki because you've added three things which make a lot of sense to me. The first is the idea of choice, right? The fact that the women were fully empowered to decide to enter into a marriage if they wish to. And most of them would decide to enter into a marriage because most people seek that partnership, that union, and what comes with that union, right? And then the second thing that you kind of mentioned offhand a little bit is the idea of values, right? That this was a very value-driven society. This was not the idea of infidelity or etc. come we stay, which ends up feeling disrespectful to the other wife. It was really values-driven. And in a values-driven society, the idea of, and I'm not saying we're not today, I'm just talking in general, right? The idea of... um, of polygamy did not have the same explosiveness that it may have today. So we have to remember the context, right, as we're talking about some of these things. And then the last one you mentioned is the idea of process, that there was a lot of respect, you know, in the process to move from uh, from a bride all the way to marriage. And the fact that polygamy worked, right, and that it worked in our society, it was healthy. So while this, I think, is an interesting discussion for another day, and I know that it can be a very explosive issue, 
I think it's important to remember that the concept of polygamy then worked, right? And it didn't necessarily ca- carry a lot of the heaviness or the uh, 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 challenges that it carries today. But I think this is a delicious discussion that we should go into more depth with <laughs> on in a later episode. So thank you for that, guys. But Staying on this whole same concept of Udoni, this next question is a very interesting one, right? And just to set the stage for people, we have nine questions in the the area of Udoni. So this one's interesting. It was this, verbatim. If there was a separation between a man and his wife because of the mistreatment of the wife, so the man mistreated the wife, what happened to the children? Did the wife move back with them to her father's? Uh, I guess I'll, I'll take that uh, fairly quickly. So Ooh, These are some hot questions, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The listeners Absolutely. brought in. Okay, go ahead, Wayaki. Yeah, so, and we talked about this a little bit in the Udhani uh, episodes, but, you know, mistreating your wife was was something that, or your husband was something that was forbidden, right? Or um, it's something that could cause your, your marriage or your Udhani, or the Udhani between the families to collapse. Mm. Now, if the marriage was seen as irreconcilable, then they had to go to, to the, uh, through the process of called Kuraga Udhani, which means to end the relationship, the marriage relationship and the family relationship. And there's a saying that says, which means there's no greater, um, um, I guess, battle or, or issue than divorce. Because we really didn't believe in ending uh, marriages. Marriages were for eternity, you know, even after death. So if that was the case, then the, man, the man's family would have to pay back uh, uh, let me take that back. So the man's family had Rashid and then if, if the wife went back to her family, the, the, her family, the, probably the man's family would demand some Rashid back, but because of mistreatment, it may not be paid back, right? So there are laws governing what happens, who is on the wrong uh, in any of those scenarios. So I want to say... The most difficult thing is the children part because you pay the ratio so that your for as a man your children the children that come as a result of that union belong to your lineage and as a man it's very possible to say that I don't want any ratio uh, my family doesn't want any ratio back because I want to keep the children so it was very difficult it was a very difficult situation to unresolved and you know most families would want to sit down and come up with a solution to keep the marriage going mm. does that make sense yeah if i can ask almost a follow-up from a physical perspective so let's say they separate because of disagreement mm-hmm. and maybe the ratio is not returned because uh to the man's family because they want to keep the children aligned or adopted into that their lineage right their mm-hmm. their mujerega. Mm-hmm. But what about physically the kids, right? So the woman moves back to her father's back then. Do mm-hmm. the kids then stay at in the the man's household even without another wife? 
or do the kids physically follow their mom and go back to their grandfather and grand grandparents' home on the mom's side? Uh, I think. I think, you know, each case was different, but for the most part, at least from what I've heard, is the children would, nev- would never go with the mother. The children always remained with the father. But, you know, okay. of course, there, there, there were nuanced cases. You know, maybe yeah. the children were too young for the father to be able to take care of. Maybe there were young children, yeah, babies. Yeah. But, you know, there was an understanding that because Rorashio has been paid, mm. the children belong to the man's family. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for that. That was actually very insightful. New perspective. I appreciate that. I don't know if King Ori has anything to add or if we should move on to the next question. <clears throat> no, actually, I want to add that uh, sometimes we have concepts that are uh, modern, like um, that, I, that idea. Um, I think the question is coming from a perspective of uh, who will have custody, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. of the children. As they are, as they are, as they are being raised, um, it's very difficult to separate a, a child and their mother while they are children. So, I want to believe that children remain with their mother. But something is happening here. There are rights associated with this arrangement that belong to the children. Meaning, if it's a boy, okay. And now they are about to become a man, okay? Mm-hmm. Are they going to still seek the blessing of their father? Let's, let's put ourselves in those scenarios, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe they don't live here physically. Maybe that ma- they manage that, right? Um, but is, does, is there a detachment, right? If they become old enough and they need to build their digira, where is this digira going to be built? Is it mm-hmm. going to be built in, in his father's land? Or in his grandfather, maternal grandfather's land, where their mother has sought to move them back to. These are the situations that created um, scenarios where you, we needed to be a bit more hygienic in the way we dealt with these matters. And w- so divorce was something that was very rare. Okay? Even mm-hmm. if a woman was to, be, to fall out of favor for whatever reason, they were never chased out of the land, right? Usually, they would be given, they'll be told, okay, you go to that far corner and they would be settled there and they'd be told, yeah, you go ahead and raise your kids, but your kids have rights like all the other children, right? Maybe, maybe you and I are no longer in good terms, but um, you're still very much welcome. You're part of this family. So this idea that you can just go home, right, it, mm-hmm. it wasn't a, a, a very common reality in Gekoyo society because no one was chasing these women. Even if they fell out of favor mm-hmm. with their husbands, they would still have rights, they would have their land, they would have all these things because Nemura Asheri, they've been Rashiriyot and they are, they, they've, they've acquired those rights. So it's very rare to have a scenario where someone is so aggrieved that they actually went to their father's home and sought to take their children. That is divorce. Right, that is now the proper mm-hmm. divorce, and for that to be acceptable, 
the Shira that will go into that arrangement to agree that this woman has now gone back to their father's house. Remember, she no longer even, we explained this, she no longer has even the kerere. She has no room. She has no bed there. She has, there's nothing mm-hmm. there for her at her father's house anymore because they've gone through all these steps to make sure she belongs now with her husband. So there's nothing to go back to. So for there to be something to go back to, it is such a huge production and a huge undertaking to reverse all these things. So yeah. that scenario didn't happen that easily. The way we're imagining today, like we've had a big fight and you take the kids and you go to your dad's. That's right. not the way things used to work, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah. It, it's, it's a nuanced question. Yeah. Yeah. And I love what you just said, Kingori, which is sometimes when we're evaluating what happened back then, we're using a current modern lens, which may not represent the same context. Because we have to remember this. The reason why uh, marriages were more successful back then compared to today, right, is not because women were forced to stay in marriages, but because we had gone through these processes all this mm-hmm. education, starting from before Irua into after Irua, we had a very values-driven society. We had very clear expectations, right, in terms of, you know, uh, the roles and responsibilities of each party. So we had an environment that was ripe for a successful union and marriage, right? And mm-hmm. we were all ripe for that. So that meant that, you know, we were... And remember, people were marrying in similar age groups, so it's not like you were going to find, a, from what I understand, an 80-year-old marrying a 12-year-old girl. That's not how it worked with the Agikoyo, right? Mm-hmm. So there was re- the environment was ripe no. for successful marriages. So when we think about marriage back then, we have to remember that we didn't have the same issues that we had today, right? And a lot of marriages, like you're saying, were indeed successful. And I'm going to say the last thing, Kingori, which I loved. Because today, when we think about divorce, or separation between spouses. What we usually comes with that is that the kids and the wife or husband lose their rights. And what we're saying here is that even in those moments when there's separation, a lot of times those rights were maintained, that children still had a place, they still had a father, they still had a home, right? And that is, I have to tell you, so beautiful to think that if for whatever reason the parents didn't work, the person was not homeless or without a family. They were still connected. Ah, and that is beautiful. absolutely. And, and, and don't type, forget what we mm-hmm. what we've repeated here. We say The wife belongs to the mohirega, belongs to the entire family. So just because one member, the husband, is having some strife with this woman, doesn't mean that everything else has now cease to exist and all other relationships have been broken no not really you know so they they, they, really you can look at it as they've fallen out of favor with their husband but they're still very much a member of the community and the society and that family that they came to be married into and it's not easy to undo (laughs) it it's not it's not yeah let me say one other thing uh Mm -hmm. so you think just in following what king ori has said if the the husband and the wife are falling out of favor, but their fathers are still in good terms. Do you think they would sit down and dissolve that marriage? They wouldn't. They would do everything in their power as the Adoni to save it. So it, it was, and actually they had a responsibility because during the Adoni process, 
they took an oath to protect and save this marriage in case of issues. So, yes, there might be a, a slight falling out between the husband and the wife, but the wife belongs to the Mohirega and the Adoni ultimately would sit down and dissolve a marriage, which was something that no one wanted to do. Beautiful. Ah, thank you for uh, sharing that. In as much as we're answering very complex current questions, in the process of answering this, it reminds us of the beauty of our culture. It reminds us of the beauty of who we are. Mm -hmm. I want to say who we were, but it's still who we are. So that is such a beautiful thing. All right, guys, we're going to continue on this thread of Odoni, and we're now going to talk about single motherhood. So in terms of the third question. So this question verbatim came in this way. Could you talk about the Roratio when a girl is from a single mother household and her mom's Roratio was not paid, but the girl wants to get married? What would happen? King Ori, I'll pick on you on this one. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a, it's um it's a, it's a it's a big question um because um and and, me, and I can even say it's not um it, there's there so many scenarios under that question. But mm-hmm. um let's start with um let's let's first sidestep that this is a single mother, right? Let's just talk about what happens when a mother who is still married has not been the ratio has not been paid because this question is a bit complicated the way it's been asked if you're a single mother then what are we talking about ratio has not been paid right because there was there's an assumption here that ratio was meant to be paid so let's just talk about a scenario where you have um, a, a lady who was married uh, or is married but her ratio has not been paid and now her daughter wants to get married Let's first give that very simple. That's a simpler scenario. Um, in that simpler scenario, um, a mother's ratio has to be paid first. Okay, you cannot uh, have a proper. Uh, you, 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 the father of the bride cannot accept the ratio and still be in good books. Okay. Mm if they have not first cleared the ratio for the mother of the bride. Okay. It's very key that for any scenario like that to take place, you have to first clear. And sometimes, and and it happens, even today it's still happening, where, you know, the firstborn daughter is ready to get married. There's a suitor who's come up. They ha- they are ready. They've asked for a meeting. They've come for the first meeting. They've they've ed- they've been asked why they are here. They say we came to Russia. Usually, what a young what a smart man should do in that scenario is say, "You're very welcome, my son. Um, we will let me get back to you after I have had a conversation with the rest of the family." Okay, which if he's a wise man would take the opportunity to first go clear areas, mm. right? He rushed there, go, Maliza, he's part of the ratio, and then now when the bride, when the, when the, when the, when the daughter's suitors come back for the next meeting and they're the ones who will tell them, hey, now you're welcome to come again, they will find a clean slate and they can give the ratio and he will be in a good place to receive it and not go through the something we discussed in the last few episodes called Kiagararu which is when you mm-hmm. um, go over 
when the daughter goes over the mother right and the, you know the daughter has magogona for her being done that the mother never had done for her right so this is this is this is the way you would do it and then the other thing is this if you have not rushed for the mother okay how do you know what to ask for for the daughter because you're supposed to you don't ask for exactly what you gave for the daughter for the mother of the daughter so it is it's not it's it is not a an as a good thing to happen but so I wanted to first uh clear that question and then now the question here is what if it's a single mother what if this is a single mother yeah, she never, never got married, married so she was right never or was married and got divorced whatever the case may be it's a single mother right so is a single mother never got married has daughters now right and wants and these daughters are ready to get married what do we do about that scenario um there are still ways to go yeah. about it if someone is in that scenario today me i want to first of all record, tell them go back home go back to your parents go back to your mother go back to your grandfather ask that question of them because they will be able to guide you given the technicalities of what's going on but on a, but on a very high level what's supposed to happen here is that um is one of two things you have scenarios where a young lady or a woman who never got married wants to first uh be considered to be kehe kemoshi okay to be given rights as if they were a male heir to that family okay and there is a gift that they give okay so that they can now be told okay perfect you're now rightfully um taken all these you've taken a, a male heir's role and you now can inherit your father's land you can do all these things like any other male child now when that happens because you're not male um your your brother will you will be the one playing the role for any male things that need to happen so <clears throat> the your brother becomes the father of your children for all spiritual matters. Mm. And so in that scenario if that's happened, if you as a single mother you've already had that happen, what you're saying is that you're not going to ever get married. Okay? And you're good with that. Mm-hmm. You want to settle as a and you've not, you want to be given rights to be able to own your father's land and now you can settle on it and you have rights over it and your children can inherit that land from you. So if you now you're, in, you're that individual and now your daughter is ready to get married you can now bring your brother in that space to accept that ratio on your behalf and the way you deal with it after that that's another topic but it there'll be a place for this ratio to be brought to right and for someone to stand in the step of uh, as a father figure for for these children and including this bride who's now being 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 wed Um so yes and that scenario yes they can come and they can Russia and how are they going to Russia they're going to look at how does the female lineage of the mother meaning the how is a grandmother and any of their sisters how are they married out and that's the kind of Russia they would ask for but it's a complex scenario and it needs very careful uh understanding of what's been done first and what's being done next so that we can know where are we who is this person because some some women may be single but they they might be getting ready to get married themselves too 
right? Yes, you have a daughter who's getting married, mm-hmm. but tomorrow you also want to get married. And if if you're that kind of lady who wants to still get married, you, there's a different level of complexity to this scenario now because, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lack of institutions from a Gekoyo perspective that clearly fit your need, right? Because, uh, you know, here you had a situation where now you needed to first be termed that you're capable of receiving these things because now you've been given certain mm-hmm. male heir uh, authorities and responsibilities, right? But um, it's a complex mm-hmm. question when it comes to single mothers. So... <clears throat> the case needs to be understood. It's a case-by-case thing that really needs to be broken down. Wayaki, I don't know if you have, maybe you can add something yeah, to that. Yeah, I do have, I do have some, something to add. So we know for a fact that single motherhood was not encouraged uh, as a way of life uh, by our ancestors. It's still not encouraged today, you know, because we want to build uh, families with uh, both parents, which is good for children and good for posterity. So that's one of the foundational concepts that we need to establish. So if a young girl got pregnant uh, and was not married at the time um, and then maybe didn't get married, when when that happened, there was, not like unlike today, there was an establishment of who is the father of this child. And the reason that was done is either the, the person responsible would then be encouraged to take this woman as his wife so that the child can have fatherhood, right? And why is fatherhood important? Fatherhood is important because it gives you, uh, it gives you your lineage. You know, you, you actually know which family you come from, which moherega you come from, which body you come from, you can trace back your lineage and, you know, you understand yourself in a physical and a, and a metaphysical sense, right? Because now you know who your ancestors are. So if this was done and then the man did not want to marry this woman, then um, the man would be charged a, a fine and then that would settle, oh, he's the father, right? So... After that, if she never did get married, oh, okay, let's let's actually do two scenarios. She decides to get married and she has a child. Uh, so the father, the, the potential future husband would obviously marry her and adopt her child. So there was the adoption process. The adoption process involved, um, first of all, separating this child spiritually from their lineage. And then adopting them spiritually into the man's lineage. So that helped give this child a clear lineage picture. It helped give this child fatherhood. Helped helped give this child uh, a sense of belonging to a family, right? So that that happened as well. So if then she decided not to get married, then like Kingori said. Her brother, because you know what you don't want is to have, say, your bare, your family has a child from an unknown, an unknown lineage, an unknown family. So what this child, what hap- what needed to happen for this child is 
to be adopted into the family. And it's it's a complex procedure. It's still done today. But, you know, adoption is not just going to court and signing papers. You have to be able to give birth to this child uh, spiritually into the family so that they become a child. And that's, that was a responsibility of the woman's brother, right? Because if, if for example, the, the father did it, then this child becomes <laughs> the mother's sister or, or brother, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why the, the brother would do it so that the child would be um, at the same level from a Rika perspective as the grandfather. So the brother, a woman's brother is very important in that sense because he would play the role of if the father was not there, he would play the father who drew he would be responsible for all the processes that this child would go through from a cultural perspective. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, mm-hmm. so so it's it's a, it's complex and and we can talk more about it. But I know we want we want to move on to another question. But we wanted to to give I wanted to give that a bit more clarity. Yes, I love that so much, and I also want to leave a cliffhanger and say that. Our next full episode that is not a listener's edition, we're going to go into the topic of single motherhood or single parenthood in so much more depth, right? So thank you Mm -hmm. for this, uh, Waiyaki and Kingori. And I also want to say I've picked three things which are really big from what both of you have said. And this is my interpretation. And the first one is the whole concept of single parenthood never existed, Right, And it didn't exist because there was always either you'd been adopted into a particular mojirega, right? Or even if your parents were not together, you were still spiritually aligned to your father's home. Or if the father just didn't even exist, right, your brother stepped in as the father through, of course, certain uh, complex processes that we're not going to cover today, right? So really, nobody was ever without a home and without a father and a mother through our processes. And guys, that is beautiful to realize that you are always walking through life with fatherhood and motherhood. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing that I loved is when we were thinking, or the second piece I picked from this, two, two of the three, these, these are the next two, which is when a single pair, single mother, quote unquote, was trying to make a decision as to whether to accept or assure from her child or not, from her, for her daughter or not, there were two things that came into play. And the first is, did she ever envision that she would get married again? If she would get married again, it added more complexity and it would be addressed in one particular way. Or if she would never get married again and she adopted the role called Kehekia Sambodi, Diraridikana, right? Then the process was also very different, right? So again, there were so many nuances. But for me, the big and beautiful thing is that nobody walked through life without a father. And that for me, is beautiful. All right, guys, before we continue, I want to read a quote. It's actually, uh, it's a direct quote. It's very related to what we just answered. And here's what somebody said. Also, I have seen where women go pay their own ratio. And I'm going to ask you guys to comment on this. So they say, I have seen where women go and pay their own ratio. This is a little modern way, I'd say. The situation was the woman who went to pay her ratio Uh, was in the situation where the husband had died early and left her with three girls. The eldest wanted to get married 
and the husband's family said that the woman was still young. So she could have remarried and the husband's family wouldn't pay her ratio. So I guess what I'm understanding from this or where I want some comment from you guys is this whole concept of a woman going to pay their own ratio. Is this a modern approach to us or is that just not even a recognized approach according to the our customs and traditions? Yeah, so I was going to say that, you know, uh, a woman cannot pay her own ratio uh she would have to if if her husband had died and she wanted her ratio process to be complete then then at that point she can she can with her family complete that process because you know she has taken over especially if her children are young she has taken over her husband's responsibility because she's not married anymore right and you know when a man died or even a woman died there was processes for paying off whatever debts they had, mm-hmm. right? Which were left to the family and the extended family. So in that situation, uh, yes, she can pay her own ratio. But for ex- so what this question or this comment is talking about is if this woman was young and she wanted to get remarried, um would the then the the where she was married before where she was married before did they have to complete the ratio i think that's kind of what they're asking i could be wrong mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh remember once ozoni is uh, the ozoni process is done and the ratio is done this woman belongs to this family it's very difficult especially if the gurario has been done for this stuff to be undone and th- because remember she has three children in this comment. These children belong to her late husband's Moherega. Mm-hmm. So will the Moherega be give up these children so that this woman can be married again? Highly mm-hmm. unlikely. Highly, very high. I mean, today things happen, but it's very unlikely that the Moherega and the family will want to let these children go. Wayaki, am I hearing you right in terms mm-hmm. of if you are married... And mm-hmm. Rashu and Gurario was Gurario was paid. Mm-hmm. Your husband passes away. You've got children. Mm-hmm. Technically, unless your husband's family pays back or returns the Rashu to your family, mm-hmm. technically you can you cannot get married again, which requires the whole concept of Rashu being paid to your family from the new man. Yeah. Am I hearing you right? That's correct. Yeah. Once you're married. Uh, in our culture, you're married for not just for life, even for eternity. Mm. So you know it's not the modern marriage scenario where you can get married today and get divorced tomorrow. Okay, so so you can do come we stay, <laughs> but you can't officially get married. <laughs> you, I mean, I don't want to endorse come we stay, <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, the honest truth is if you've gone through the process and you've gotten married as a woman uh, and then, you know, you bear children and, you know, you've established a family and your husband passes away, you're still married to this man even in his death because it's, it's, it's an eternal marriage. Wow, I have so many questions on this, but I, I would be derailing. Those would be my own questions. <laughs> you can <laughs> so take those I'm not going to derail. You can take those offline. Gonna see, 
Uh-huh. Okay. I don't know what King Ori wants to like... say about this. King Ori, I know King Ori has some 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 few yeah. things to say about this. Yeah, I mean, I I just don't think the, the scenario the way it's been painted. Um, one, you already have ch- this this woman had children with a now the deceased man. Um, honestly, she's she shouldn't be going anywhere. You know, um, they should finish paying that ratio. Uh, and she should just be settled there and there should be no issue. But what I'm seeing here is that they're saying the eldest wanted to get married, right? That's what they're saying. And that the husband's family said that the woman was still young, meaning that, and and that's the reason they're giving for them, not wanting to finish paying their ratio, because they're saying Mm -hmm. this, our wife, okay, is still young. Let her go and get married again. So we so that they can escape the of this responsibility of paying finishing to pay her ratio. Mm, Th- that okay. is not now, a very smart. That's not a very it. smart family. I'm sorry to say, and oh, that would oh, oh, oh. <laughs> no really because um, this is one wife who's already been spoken for. You should be embracing her and and supporting her now that her husband has passed on. And the, her husband is your brother, right? And now you should take her and her children. Make sure you take care of them. And if you're a smart man, if you're a smart brother, you know very well that these three daughters, when they get married, you will be right there receiving ratio. So you're avo- you're avoiding to pay one woman's ratio, and you're forgetting that there are three girls' ratios that are coming your way down the pipe. These are not smart people. And and even when you just look at it from just wealth and and things in general, but also it's cruel. You are, you don't care about mm-hmm. your own brother's children mm-hmm. that they're going to no longer be associated with you if you say you're not paying your ratio and she's going to get married. You're actually divorcing this woman on behalf of your brother, and you're sending the children away on behalf of your brother as well. That is not you know looking after your brother's affairs in his passing. So I don't like this family. I don't think that the kind of people who we should be looking at to, you know, to set any example for, for us as a, as a community, whatever is happening here is not very solid. Um, yeah. Let me, let me, let let me follow up to King Ori and just give him some kudos for, you know, being brutally honest, which is in Kikuyu, we say, just being straight uh, with, with, with talking the truth and you know as a as a muduriwa kiyama that's what you're supposed you're supposed to stand with the truth i think now that i understand that scenario i'll say a lot of families will do this because you know they they want to secretly like take take the the late husbands they don't want this woman to possess the late husbands property or inheritance mm. right they want her to move away so if maybe there's land there's buildings there's an inheritance she lets go of that and goes to another family mm. you know which is which is greed and wrong on on many families you cannot once a woman is married into your family she's married into your family for life and for eternity so this woman, the Harurasha should be paid, should be completed. And, you know, that situation where you tell a woman, go and get married, you're still young, 
it should not be there because of the greed of wanting to dispossess her of the things yeah. that she built with her husband. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's very cruel. Yeah. Ooh, when you guys put it that way, thank you for sharing that, right? Because when a woman gets married, she should feel safe, right? Knowing that she has been fully adopted, right, into the new family. And both of you are saying that is the right thing for the family to do because mm-hmm. she is now your daughter. She mm-hmm. is now your family member. Absolutely. Just because your son passed on doesn't mean that you then disinherit or distance his wife, right? Because she's part of you now. That's not our ways. Thank you so much for sharing that perspective, guys. All right, let's go on to the next question. Man, this whole Irua topic is hot, hot, hot. That's where majority of the questions came in, right? Hot. All right, so this one, I'm going to read the next question verbatim. Another one is, when a woman has a child out of wedlock and then she's subsequently married and then in, in um uh and and rashiriod but they separate and or divorce later what happens um i think we've already touched on this one a bit mm-hmm. yeah we've and and what's happening here is uh so we're saying um you know a woman had a child out of wedlock and then she's married, right? Now, when a woman is has had a child out of wedlock, actually, maybe we did not cover this topic yet. If you've had a child pr- before you're married and then you get married and you're being rasheriod, there are two things that should happen here. When you're being rasheriod, the child should also be rasheriod, especially if it's a girl, okay? Mm. There's usually an extra mbozi. Uh, an extra body that's given to simplify this to signify that you've taken the mother and the daughter beyond that and that's just on rokurashirio beyond that you should have done what we are going to be talking about in in a future episode which is you should have you should have uh, performed a ceremony that separates this child from her birth father Okay, her biological mm-hmm. father. Koyo does not put too much emphasis on the importance of a biological father. He's not Mm-mm. indispensable. Right. Yeah. So the right. biological father, okay. so this man now who's marrying this lady should have uh, taken the woman and the child, and this is now her, his new family. This daughter becomes his firstborn. Now they have, mm-hmm. they have a family already. Now if they then separate or if they now divorce after having finished Rorashio and everything, and he's saying, I don't want this, then if it happens, and we said this is a, it's a very difficult thing to, to pull off, but if they do pull it off, then yeah, both the lady and this child that the lady had come with, they go back to their uh, to their maternal father, uh, maternal parents' uh, lineage. They, they're taken so back and they belong there. So long as the Rorashio is returned. So long as you, you, you return the ratio and you, there are several magogonas that need to be done to, to clear that, those, those linkages, you know. Mm. But yes, that, that can happen. In fact, not just this, dot, this child who was there prior to the marriage, even if there were other children mm-hmm. that were born. At that point, there's no difference between the child prior and the children born after. Mm-hmm. Um, after this marriage, all these children belong to this man who has married this woman, 
and if he decides he's divorcing this woman and sending her back then they all of them would be going back there will be no yeah. difference you cannot simp- it's not easy to separate a mother and its and the children yeah what i love about what you're saying kingori is that in our culture there is no difference between a biological child and an adopted child Exactly. They are the same. They are spiritually the same and therefore, right, uh, a man or a woman could not abandon his responsibilities of fatherhood simply mm-hmm. because him and his wife did not work out. So the right. role of being a father, right, to your adopted or biological uh, children was important, mm-hmm. right? And fathers mm-hmm. always had uh, that role to play in their children's lives. And that's why I said before, which is what makes this, our culture so beautiful, right? Is that everybody had dual parents. You had a mother and you had a father. And I like what you said, King Ori, irrespective. I'm, not, I'm sure that is not a word, you know, irrespective, right, of who your biological uh, donor for lack of a better term was. Right. So thank you so much for sharing that. All right. So are we ready to go to the next question? I think yeah, we are. I think, I think we are. I think King Ori addressed, addressed that question fully and, and we had touched on some of its aspects uh, before. Yes. Okay. So it actually connects very nicely to this next question, uh, which is somebody asked, one of our listeners asked, what happens in the case of child adoption? Was it practiced in the past? Is there a ritual or ceremony to enable it? And I know we've answered this, so maybe we could have a quick uh, response in terms of this because we've already answered this. Yeah, let me let me say uh, that adoption used to happen uh, before and it still does happen. Uh, but, you know, let's not think about adoption from a Western uh, perspective. Uh, Africans generally believe that, um, you know, your lineage is very important. So when you have, if you marry a woman with a child, what you want to do is to be able to, because this child brings uh, energy into into this new union from another family, right? So if you choose to, if you adopt the child, you have to spiritually adopt them into your lineage. You have to give birth to them anew. You know, we've talked mm-hmm. about the the process of the rebirth uh, mm-hmm. that Kikuyus do, or Woshiaramwana Naabori. It's making sure that this child ad- gets your spiritual lineage, mm-hmm. right? So it's 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 a metaphysical concept, but it it helps this child be adopted and be be agreed upon by your entire Moherega and your ancestors that came before that. Yes, we are adopting this child. This child belongs to us. So to answer uh, that question simply is, yeah, adoption was done. Uh, The process was to be able to remove the child from their past lineage and then uh, give birth to them spiritually into your family, into the father's lineage. Yes. Beautiful. Thank you. And I'm not going to collect additional uh, feedback on this one, Kingori, because we've covered it. But I'm going to let you know that this next question is yours. Thank you, Wayaki, for that great answer. You're welcome. This next question, Kingori, has also been answered. So maybe you could give us a high-level response. And the question is this. Did widows remarry? 
was their gura, uh, Gurario. So here's the question I actually would like you to do, please. So it ends with, so really the question is, was Gurario done for widows? But before you answer that, please quickly tell us what is Gurario and then tell us was it done for widows, which is different from <coughs> Ruratio. Yeah, yeah. So, so Gurario is the final step in the, the series of Magogona for marriage. And this is the one where we were saying uh, that you have uh, finalized uh, giving all the main, um, uh, all, 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 you've done all the main ceremonies. And now this final one is the one you're grafting this lady to, you know, forever be part of this family and you're closing the door for potential divorce right and this is the one we call it's a very um, big ceremony and a it's the one, one we said before you ac- your family accepts a gurario you better be sure this you're in this for life yeah, you're right in this. yeah you're in mm-hmm. this so mm-hmm. after this point honestly it is very difficult it's next to impossible to to and and you should not be if there are still doubts, you should not be stepping, taking the step to do a gurario because gurario is that forever moment. Um, so, uh, yes, the question is, the answer is yes. Gurarios were done for widows. Um, if the if the man had not done it prior to his passing on, yes, it should be done, and it can be done um, by male heirs of him of his, even a grandchild can can step in the place of his grandfather and do gurario for their grandmother because if you know because this is the same name you know if you've been named after that grandfather who had not finished doing gurario you can mm-hmm. do gurario for your grandmother you know even as a small boy you know in fact that so they'll always look for the person with a name similar mm-hmm. to um this gentleman who passed away and that person will be the one stepping in their place and finishing the gurario. So yeah, the, the simple answer is yes, uh, gurarios were done for widows. Um, okay. Did widows remarry? Uh, you know, only if they were not well secured in this family, right? Then they could, but it would first require that they still break the 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 odoni which is a very mm. difficult process. But if, it, mm-hmm. if that was seen as necessary for whatever reason, if you have a widow who had no children, then it's cruel to keep her around. You know, maybe there might be a good, that's a good opportunity for her to break clean from this marriage and go get married elsewhere. And some, mm-hmm. But sometimes, this is a very uh, tricky issue, we'll talk about another time also, sometimes she would get children in that family uh, and that the, the 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 man who had passed away, his lineage would continue, but obviously uh, these children would not be biological. His, but it doesn't matter because those will be his children now, and they would live. Um, they would continue his lineage. Thank you for sharing that because here's where I was going to go because I was listening to this from the perspective of our women listeners, right? Mm -hmm. Which is the idea of, it feels a little bit unfair that a woman could lose her husband or end up separated from him when she's very young. 
And that means that she can never continue. Uh, based on our culture, it sounds like she wouldn't have a window to go and get more children or to get new companionship from a new husband or man. It just, well, a man would be able to go and continue his life and get a new wife, a new bride and more children. So it feels a little um, unfair to a woman. But what I'm hearing you just say, you just said right now, King Ori, and we don't have to go into details right now because I think that's a future episode, is that there were opportunities or moments for women to enter into new union. It's just the idea of uh, where the children spiritually fell. Could you mm -hmm. answer that question in some way for our women listeners? Give us some more clarity. Yeah, so... so I want you to put now your shoes in. I want you to put you in the shoes of the bride's father. So I have a daughter. She's 20. And her husband has passed away. Mm -hmm. Right? And they didn't have children. No, they had one kid. Let's just <clears throat> say that. They had one kid. Mm -hmm. If they had a child, it becomes difficult to to now say that uh, that child should be also separated from their family. Because that's what you would be advocating for, right? You are now saying, I want that child to be uprooted from the father's lineage. So this man who has passed away, who only had one child, you're very much okay with them not having a lineage. You're killing his lineage. So the one child, you're saying, no, I want my daughter back and I want that child too because you can't leave the child, okay? You're... That is advocating for killing that, that man's lineage. So it, it's in the Koyo, we look at everyone. We look at both. We look at um, we look at both scenarios. And in that scenario, if there are children, it's very difficult to advocate for a divorce because now a child is being affected. So now, real talk. So now the woman for the next seventy years has to live life single. You see, no, this is what we're saying. It's not single. <laughs> Right, it's not being it's, single. It's, yes, yes, she uh, let's she call does not single the way we define it without a a, a man or a husband so for the, seventy the term, more years of her life. So let's um, if you want to look at it from up, yes, there there would not be uh, the one man for her that she wishes for to be, you know, mm -hmm. that she wants to be coupled with forever. That is very likely to be the scenario. Uh, and not just likely, but that was typically the scenario. If she chooses to stay there, okay, um, then she's, she's saying, yeah, she's going to probably live a single life. But, she, you know, it, you see, pe people have different ways of looking at this thing. Um, you know, you, you also have to think about the children. You have to think about other relationships that have been established. You have to think, of, you know, that's why we're saying it's to... To a Mogekoyo, it's not a one-to-one -one relationship of just romance. And if you're lacking that, that you need to feel like everything has broken, right? Like you've lost out on on so many other things. No, in, in Mogekoyo, that was just one aspect, one part of the relationship of this marriage. It was multi-layered. So if one breaks, you're going to be held by the rest. They're going to uplift you. They're going to, you know, and by the way, the the the, the even among... Wives from the same brother, from the same brothers, right? They used to call each other Airu, which is the same term for wives from the same man. A co wife. Okay? Yeah. Co wives. 
right? Mm-hmm. So it's a, they, they they understood that they are they are going to take care of her. It's going to be a network. She's going to be part of that village. They're going to. It, it's it's very sad, but the solution would not be now to disinherit the now man who's gone of having children by taking the child away to go and take to another man. Um, you know, it's a it's a sad scenario, mm-hmm. um, but it. I don't believe they they saw it as a, a helpless scenario. You know, mm-hmm. it's tragic, but it it happens, and they do their best to support that person. Um, and and that person still has a place, and and that person still has a husband. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what we these these brothers of her husband will continue to support her. Mm-hmm. You know, they may not that 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 um, romantic relationship may lack, but um, she still is very well supported. Okay. Thank you yeah. for saying that. And if I can just add one thing, right, in terms of how I can try and understand what's happening as a modern woman, how can I interpret all of that? And I think for me, the big interpretation I would take from this is, if you recall episode, the last two episodes, we talked about the importance and the significance of Roratio. And we also talked about how before uh, a, a man, a father accepted Roratio on his daughter, he asked her, are you sure? Are mm. you sure this is the person you want to move forward with? Because there was a lot of seriousness and she had to confirm that she was sure. So I think that the advice that I would give, you know, women, you know, myself and every other woman is that to return to the place where before we step into these marriages and get into Ruratio paid, uh, you know, on us, is to remind mm-hmm. ourselves, right, just based on a cultural perspective. Forget the modern perspective. I'm looking at, from a cultural perspective, the importance of Ruratio, and that when that happens, there is a spiritual movement and exchange that happens. So be- when we remember that, we remember that when we're entering into marriages, we have diligence and we are sure course you can't be 100 percent sure but we are making the best decision for ourselves before we step into those marriages that's just the only i think uh one of the biggest pieces of wisdom that i would collect from this tradition wayaki we're gonna say something yeah i was gonna say that you know one of the things that uh, king already mentioned that may be controversial is the fact that the the woman who the widow would remain in the family and she would continue to get children from the family right from maybe a man in the family um this is not this is not foreign uh, this is not that just like Ikuyus who did that uh, many african uh cultures did that because they didn't want to lose the children mm. right so the wife was very, the widow was very important she was held up as important because she carried the children of that man who has passed away. Mm. And in fact, even in Deuteronomy uh, 25, it says that, you know, if, if a, a brother uh, uh, dies and the, the woman would not leave, she would get children from the family in the book of Deuteronomy. So it's not just the Kikuyus who did that or who valued the fact that this woman has bore three, four, five children now, if she is cast out and divorced, the family loses the children. And, you know, from a marriage perspective, uh, you know, we looked at marriage or traditionally or older cultures looked at marriage as duty 
Uh, We never look at it in terms of, oh, I'm not going to have a romantic partner for the rest of my life. We look at it more of a duty or building a family. When you build bigger families and stronger families, you have have more power, more wealth. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's how they used to look at uh, marriages. And so to a certain extent, it's kind of unfair. But, you know, how many unfair things happen in life? Earthquakes, floods, storms you know, wars, so many unfortunate things happen in life. We can't uh, just be looking at at it as it's unfortunate that this woman is not going to have a companion. Uh, these children are also not going to have a father who gave birth to them. So we kind of look at life from a duty perspective mm-hmm. as opposed to a modern romantic perspective. Interesting what you're bringing I want up. To add, mm-hmm. I want to add that from a spiritual's, spiritual perspective, there's something else that's also missing. When if that scenario takes place where the woman lo- leaves with the child, this man who has died, eh, his his um, his ability to come back to earth mm-hmm. was coming from these children that he left. This one child that he left, if they had had a boy, he would have been named. Right. And that's mm-hmm. how this man would have lived on. And the, it was seen as a literal thing, mm. right? It is how we will continue to live. We lived mm-hmm. in, our, in our descendants, mm. through our descendants. So now separating, you know, it's, it's a cruel thing for this young man who was, whose life was also cut short from that spiritual perspective to say, yeah, and now we've taken away the only ability you had for living on in the spiritual realm. You know, yeah. that's also tragic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. you guys are saying, it's mm-hmm. tragic all around, right? And what we yeah. do on this podcast is we talk about the way our culture is, right? Not the way we wish it to be. We just look at what is our culture, right? And that's what you guys are doing. You're helping us look at it. And the beauty of what we take from this discussion today, whether somebody agrees or disagrees with the logic, the reasoning behind it, that's on each person. But the beauty behind this is that the Mogekoyo always had a good reason, right, behind what Mm -hmm. they did. So like, so in this example, when you think about why was it so difficult to break Roratio, is that there was reason mm-hmm. behind it. It wasn't just whim, right? We're just going to make these unilateral decisions with no perspective. There was always a good reason behind it. And before we judge our culture, when we don't like something or think we don't, it's important to go back and understand the why, right? As we try to continue mm-hmm. to understand our culture. Thank you so much, guys. Now, because of time... Here's what I'm going to suggest that we do. There's two more questions on Irua. We're going to answer those. I mean, on on um, on um, Odoni. And then there's one question on Irua that we're going to answer. So we will close the episode after uh, answering those three questions. And then in the next episode, right, then we're going to answer all the other amazing questions that some of them were really interesting. They had to do with social issues, single motherhood, spirituality, esoteric knowledge and earth. Right? So beautiful stuff. But for today, I think we close with these two last questions. So here's the next question. This one is fascinating. Wayaki, I'm turning it over to you. And the question is, did women marry women amongst the Agekoyo? (laughs) 
That's a good question. And, uh, you know, what I've seen in, uh, especially on social media is, um, you know, you know, people using this knowledge that some women would marry women uh, as something empowering. So did women marry women? Uh, yes, they did. Uh, was it a sexual uh, union? No, it wasn't. So it goes back to what we've been talking about to where, say, um, um, there was a man who had... Uh, died and left a widow, right? Mm -hmm. And I'll just give this example just to create the picture of why this was mm -hmm. done. So maybe this man had one wife and they had a few children and then the wife had reached uh, an age where she could not bear children anymore. But then she and her family were wealthy enough for them to want to continue this man's name. And to grow his lineage, so what what they would do is they would br she would bring a woman as a like a second wife, so to speak. This woman would bear children, but these children would be named as if the man was alive. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm. So it, what it did, and it goes back to what King Orija said, is. You know, like you want to continue your lineage. You want to continue your name. You want to continue the reason we give birth to our parents. You know, you name your father, you name your mother as a man or as a woman. is because you want to reincarnate them spiritually. You want them to continue living. And that's how I'm called Wayaki because Wayakis have have been reincarnated, so to speak, from the original Wayaki, right? And Jerry have, has been reincarnated from the original Jerry. Just been born, and, and that spirit continues to live. And so there, that was the reason a woman would marry a woman. Mm. So at an at a, at a elementary, that's the elementary explanation. There's... There's many other nuances that could have happened, but the the reason was to continue the man's lineage who had passed away and was not no longer there, uh, and the woman herself was not of childbearing. Her, her childbearing years had come to a close. Mm. Okay. Anything to yeah. add to that, Kingori? No, I think Wayaki nailed it. Okay. This is about surrogacy, right? Mm. This is what's happening. You're looking for a surrogate. Um, and that is usually the, the main underpinning. It, it, can, it can take multiple forms. There are different reasons and different ways it will happen. But it, what's really been sought here is children. Mm -hmm. And so it's about, it's really, this was our innovation for surrogate mothers right to come to into existence but we did not just use the womb of a woman who's coming in as a surrogate we would marry her mm. we would give her a place we would give her uh land we would give her and uh, she would be married and we have everything any other married woman ought mm. to have a so sense of belonging we did, 
Yeah, it was she'd get a sense of belonging. She'd become somebody's wife. She'd be she'd have everything. There would be Othoni. There'd be family connections between two families. So we did not just use her womb. We would make her part of our family, mm-hmm. and then, um, and even her, she would have the right to name her family when the next when the second child is born, you know, and so on and so forth. Right. So this was a a, a more um, healed, a more well. Uh, balanced approach to surrogacy mm. is how I would look at it. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Now, could somebody, let's say a woman gets married and she finds out she's barren, but she's still child uh, rearing years, but she's barren. Could she also get married too at that stage so that she can have children with her husband? Or this was only in the case of, like, say, widowhood? Yeah. Th- th- there's some kerala showing that that could have also taken place. Right, but it has so much to do with this woman having such a position in society that she feels the need to have children called by her name, mm-hmm. my children, mm-hmm. and that therefore they go ahead and bring a surrogate mother. Mm-hmm. You see, this is not this is not going to be every woman who would have pulled it off. Otherwise, the husband would have just gone and gotten another right. another wife, yeah. mm-hmm. right? But this is a woman who wants these children to be somehow yeah. tied to her. And her name mm-hmm. makes sense. Yes. Yeah. So, and it's, yeah. it's also interesting mm-hmm. because remember in the origin story, I talked about my uh, ancestor, the one who Gashie was named after, the Gashie in Kambu, right? So he's not mm-hmm. my direct ancestor, but he was my direct ancestor's brother. And I mm-hmm. remember saying that Daddy Keruru, he was he himself was barren, but he had mm-hmm. a lot of wives and a lot of grandchildren, and you know, in fact, uh, Gashie sometimes can be thought of as a uh, bare. Even if it's still Baria Kehara, it's kind of like a sub Baria in a sense, right? It's a big yeah. Baria itself. Yeah, it it's is. a very big one, right? And the mm-hmm. reason uh, I'm imagining, because he was barren, his wives probably went ahead and also, I don't, I'm not sure how it worked, but somehow the wives managed to get children. So maybe that's a topic for another day. But I mean, it <laughs> happened because he has, he's barren, no, lots of happened. wives, but also lots of children. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it happened. And it's not, uh, there's, there's not too much imagination that needs to be put into how it happened. It, it happened. <laughs> it's not a mystery. Yeah, it's not a mystery. Right. It happened. And it's culturally, there were cultural ways to work through that, is what I'm trying to say. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. Absolutely. Okay, good. Yeah, there are ways of sanctioning those things. Yes. yes. Good. All right. Second to last question, guys. Did intercultural unions take place? Uh, and what custom was followed? The Agikoyo culture or the other uh, uh, um, culture's culture? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, when you, when, you, when you marry a woman, you, you don't go set any... Uh, <laughs> you don't set the... You don't, you're not the one setting the pace. You don't set any conditions. You go and say, I like that woman and I want to marry her. What do I need to do? So always Mogekoyo used to follow the, mata- the, 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 the girl's lineage on what it is that their family is going to ask for. Right. So whether you go and marry a Maasai, you're first going to finish all the Maasai rites for getting a bride. Once you finish that, you bring her here. There are other rites for you to do so that she can have a Mogekoyo Mohirega. Mm. She's being born into a Mohirega here then she can also assume some other Kikuyu aspects, mm-hmm. right? So you first have to always finish with 
what the culture of the bride is asking for. And then if there's a need, you can now come and do other kikuyu things on top so that you can feel that she's been well received. Mm. Uh, I don't know if that answers that question. Very well. Succinctly and very well. Thank you. Let me let me say something else. So now when a, a kikuyu woman uh, or girl gets married to another community, right? Um she then ceases culturally to be to be a mugekoyo. She can be a mugekoyo by by language, but then she adopts her husband's culture, whatever culture it mm. is. Like when she goes there, and if even if like Kingori said, there's there's uh, the process of of obtaining the woman. If there's dowry, there's bride price, whatever that the the, the, the mugekoyo asks for. Once she moves on to uh, her husband's community, then she follows what the culture is there. Mm. And you know what? 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 You know that's the modern uh, interpretation of this is. Uh, you will see a lot of Kikuyu women will be married to other communities, right? But then want to go and impose our culture there, especially and naming, is, especially naming, which is extremely wrong. If I may say that, uh, with uh, with conviction, you know, you can't go and dictate what your husband that you know you want to follow the Kikuyu way of naming, but you're not married in, in, in to a Mogekoyo. If you go and get married to another community, another tribe, you have to follow there. You you actually belong to that Moherega or. or clan or bari, you have to follow their rules. And if that means you can't name your parents, that's what you have to live with. Mm. You, that's, if that community names times of day like the Luo name uh, their children, time of day uh, or maybe an event, that's the... that's You have to be able to live within the confines and the cultural norms of the community you're getting married to. Fascinating. I did not know that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing and that. I know that. You don't expect I that, that will... the order of naming is similar to the Kikuyu order of naming. You're doing whatever it is uh, that is practiced in that culture. Thank you for that great addition as well, Waiyaki. All right, guys, let's get to our final question before I let people know what we're going to talk about next, right, in the next episode. Mm-hmm. But now we're going to shift from Odoni into Irua. Right. So and as we answer this, right, I'm going to give both of you a chance to answer it. But the first person to answer it, please quickly in one uh, sentence, remind us what is the word Irua? What is Irua? So um, uh, and the question is this. How do we equip uh, our young boys with the necessary knowledge and skills to be future leaders? You know, touching on the stages of life you know, be able to slaughter a goat, lead, etc. In other words, where in, in the modern day can a Gekoyo man meet the requirements to sit in a kiyama? Uh, I'll let uh, King Ori, because he's a Muduriwa kiyama, to lead us on on this okay. one. Yeah, I'll, g- right. I'll give him that respect. <laughs> All right, Muduriwa kiyama. Thank you, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I know the last answer that, uh, that uh, Wayaki gives sent shockwaves. Um, when people heard that they, they should some they should not be naming their parents if they've been married to another culture, but but I want to say it's the truth, uh, and it's good to always speak the truth. On this issue of Irua, 
Um, Irua is um, is is what we call circumcision, right? But it is more than that. Irua is a three-part prepare, uh, preparation uh, for a young man or for a boy who's becoming a young man. And it is uh, the preparation that's physical, uh, a preparation that is uh, mental and spiritual. Uh, and so this was the biggest transition in, in the life of a young man and in the life of a young woman as well. But because we're, we're being asked about the men, let me first focus on that. Um, so what do, they, what do we need to prepare today? Number one, I want to ask you, please listen to, I think it's episode, is it episode three um, of this season where we talked about uh, Irua in general? Mm-hmm. There are a lot of so gems three. there. Um, so please listen to that one first. It will really um, answer a lot of your questions. Um, so I want to talk about how the the the, 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 the sta- what the stages are and how that went about. Let me assume you're going to listen to that first and just go straight to how do you get this person to be ready and to do this, um, being able to slaughter a goat and other different things and leadership and going into kiyama. Um, this is the job of the father of this young man. And in the end, remember we said oide, fatherhood is not just biological father. So it could be the maternal uncle who should be taking this role or even an older brother who knows more about these matters. You can, this young, this young man, once they've been prepared and they've become, they've gone through Irua and are now a young man, they really should be, their first, uh, the first body to the Kiyama should be given at that point. And this one we can talk about very openly. It's called Buria Hako. Okay? Buria Hako. Kohaka is, to use a, to rudimentarily translate it, it's like bribing. No, it's not, bribing is a, is, 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 is has too much uh, baggage, that term. But what it is, is, you're giving a bori to as to the elders and you're saying hey my young man this is my young man you're introducing them this is my young man and i want him to have access to kiyama mm-hmm. okay and so you bring him and you give boria hako as a, a membership of sorts a pre-membership so that these young this was a now no this is so and so's son and he's welcome to be coming to the kiyama and he can uh he won't be attending kiyama functions but he'll be there in the periphery and he'll start learning things now he's not allowed to go sit in a in a meeting where they where they're having any kind of big discussion but there's always young men around who are doing all manner of things they're being taught how to slaughter goats they're being taught to do all manner of things they've been a lot of knowledge will start kind of through osmosis trickling Trickle into down. this 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 young man's life if they are just in the proximity of the elders because you're being told something you're being told hey do you guys know this and there's always an elder who's left with them the young men to to give them context and some additional knowledge as they continue to be uh, attending this kiyama um this kiyama uh, events so um there's no shortcut it's to be present uh, it's to be there, it's to, when you hear your dad is going or your uncle is going, if you have uh, an elder that you know who goes to Kiama, 
as a boy, you are allowed to go there even before you get circumcised. Mm-hmm. You are still allowed to go. And there is something for you to do there. And so you start learning these things through uh, in, in that proximity. And so there are opportunities for that. That is where you learn the most things. You learn all these things you're asking. You know, how does the body... Back in the day, a young man who has not been circumcised was not allowed to slaughter a goat. Okay? Nowadays, we seem to allow those things. You know, they'll you know, slaughter a chicken, they'll do whatever. But back in the day, you, you were, that young man was not allowed to... to to, to, to shed blood. Split, spill blood. Yeah, yeah. yeah, shed any blood. So what would happen, they would still be taught how to do these things. But they would, they would be taught on um, animals that had died and had not died of anything bad, uh, or like a disease. If they had died of something, then uh, an elder would, uh, would look at it and they'd say, okay, come. You know, you, let me teach you how to slaughter using this one and they would obviously they wouldn't eat it or anything they would throw it away but yeah that's where they would learn this is this this section you t- you remove it this way this is how you do this they would learn so many things from that perspective so I love but now it. even today you learn that in the kiyama as you as you get closer i love it love it love it and this just one uh surface question is i am hoping and imagining that for a man to be an official member of a kiyama that there was certain that there is certain criteria and that they have to be a person of good standing that not just anybody off of you know who just just anybody off of the streets can just come in and become a moduriwa kiyama that there is criteria mm-hmm. to make sure that it is mm-hmm. the right person of good standing who is representing our community as part of a moduriwa kiyama that is exactly what it is. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Let me say. Eight. Let me mm-hmm. let me say yes. something. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, in addition to what King Ori said, uh, you know that it, the question itself is a good question because our culture has that process of preparing young boys to grow through um, irua and through when they become a moanake. Uh, Mozuri, Kamatimo, like all the levels of, of 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 life that you go through as a man. But, you know, it's kind of half a question. And the fact that, you know, even if you prepare um, young men or boys to become good, responsible uh, citizens, uh, you'll be doing half the job if you don't prepare the women. And so the women also need knowledge on 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 life and the processes of life and as a woman so they they would also need that to be to be able to create a harmonious and uh orderly society that process for girls needs to be to be thought about in terms of how do you prepare for marriage how do you prepare for life as a young woman in the modern context obviously but how do you how do you become a a good partner to a young man and and so on and so forth okay okay I, I would re- Jerry. I know we are out of time, but I would be remiss if I did not mention one other thing that there were jamas. Mm. We talked about that in that episode as well. There mm. was jamayarika that was for the young men who would start practicing uh, many different things around governance on themselves first as a club of men right as of young men. And they would have their own things that they do and their own processes. Uh, and they would have their own judicial processes. You learned a lot about the future from there on leadership. Uh, there were also Jamaya to me and all these other. There are many Jamas. There were seven. We, uh, please listen to episode three. We talked about those there. Uh, today, 
and I think we need to really talk about this. Today, the issue is how are we preparing our young men to becoming, you know, fully uh, responsible men in the community and full responsible women in the community. Are we just allowing the school system to do the entire job? Uh, mm. Is it just Sunday school? After Sunday school, Wakitoka, yes, they become, uh, they've learned a lot about uh, Christianity or whatever religion you, you observe. Yes, they've learned that. But how are they learning how to be, um, you know, part of the community and how to be ready for the job market, how to be ready to be entrepreneurs, how to be ready to be leaders of certain qualities? This is where I would say there, there's a need, there's a gap that needs to be looked into. Uh, these jamas need to be brought back in some fashion. I know there are so many clubs, Boy Scouts, this and that, uh, Rotary Club. This there are a lot of different communities that are trying different things that are trying to fill this gap for, you know, uh, developing the character of our people. Um, mm-hmm. But they are all good. But I think and more emphasis. Um, this is a call. This is just I'm putting it out there in the ether that we need this. We need to start thinking about it and come up with. Uh, those let's trust in God. He will resurrect these jamas so that we can have our young our young people start being molded at an early age, mm-hmm. so that they they, they 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 can. There are too many pitfalls mm-hmm. <laughs> f- mm-hmm. from you know in the youth, you know mm-hmm. that you observe mm-hmm. in, in your youthful days. So, that we will have the opportunity to mold these young men and women. Yes. Ah, oh, thank you so much, Waiyaki and Kingori, for all of the insights that you have provided to us today. And you have been so thorough and specific. And you've gone there. You've gone there in terms of answering the questions, you know, directly, bravely, and honestly, right, with your full integrity, which I really do appreciate this. And I know our listeners have appreciated uh, this. So thank you very much, Waiyaki. And thank you very much. King Ori. And now to our listeners that submitted questions, we are so grateful for your submission and I hope that you have heard your questions answered. But here's the thing. Today we only answered 10 of the 23 questions that came in. So clearly, we're going to have the second episode, right, of the listeners episode because of all the questions you submitted, where we will answer the other 13. And here's what's so amazing. These other 13, they fall into some really interesting categories from single motherhood to certain social issues, you know, such as land and birthdays and artifacts and how we named our children and named ourselves esoteric knowledge, right, all the way to our spirituality as Ayekoyo. So let me tell you this, the next episode, listeners episode part two will be sizzling. So stay tuned and come back when we drop the second episode of Q&A. Have a great time, guys, and we shall talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for listening and for joining us on this journey where we honor our history, where we honor our heritage, where we honor our ancestors. We are grateful. You can find Matilde Gemi on social media, which is Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can also find us on Clubhouse, where we will occasionally host some live discussions following some of our episodes. We look forward to seeing you. Our website is matire-gemi.simplecast.com. 
Our email is matire.gemi at gmail.com. And this podcast is hosted, produced, and contributed to by Wayaki Yeshanga, Kingori Kanyi, and Jerry Diho. Thank you, and please share this widely.